1: You're listening to the Jam Radio Network.
2: Hi, this is Donnie McCligan, and I've got a personal note that I'd really like to drop in your spirit today. I want you to understand the blessings of God and how they're supposed to enhance our lives. Blessings are not always financial, but the Bible says in Proverbs 10 and 22, it says the blessings of God makes us rich and adds no sorrow. This richness that it's speaking of deals with our lives being full, our lives being complete, our joy being prevalent and noticeable, us being seen as someone who profits in God. The richness of God deals with a soul that is healed, a spirit that is in touch with Jesus. Our lives being rich is having our family whole, is having our friends close, and even our enemies reconciled. Blessings of God makes us rich and will take your sorrows away.
3: My name is Sue Smith. I'm 38 years old, and I work at a graphic design company, which is funny because I couldn't even draw a stick figure when I was a kid. But I met someone who told me, you know what, you can do anything if you really want to. And if the teenage me were here, she'd tell you, I wouldn't be into drawing and art if it wasn't for big brothers, big sisters. Most kids from my neighborhood don't get into art. They get into trouble. But I was lucky because my big sister showed me early on that I didn't have to be like most people. And to the young me, that meant a lot. My big sister's name is Sheila.
4: And Sheila is the reason that this eight-year-old grew up to have an amazing job as a graphic designer.
5: Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child, and that can last a lifetime. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad
0: Council. This is Ann Graham Lotz with Daily Light for Daily Living. All around us are broken homes, broken hearts, broken hopes. But God never intended us to be broken. He didn't just create us plop us down on planet Earth and say, happy birthday. Now you can guess your way through life. God as our creator has specific directions for our lives. Psalm 119.2 says, Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with a whole heart. If we live according to his directions, our lives work. We're blessed and we experience life the way it was meant to be lived. If we ignore or reject His direction, we do so to our own detriment and experience much less than he intended. His directions form a pattern that prevents breakage of our lives to help mend the brokenness already present. Listen to me. Trust in his words, then follow his directions. Your life will work. This is Anne Graham Lott.
6: This is morning inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. (laughs)
1: be <laughs>
5: I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me, and answer me. When thou saidst, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me, put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help, leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. (laughs)
1: you. <laughs> You're a baby. Ha, ha, ha. think it'll Thank you
7: This is Morning Inspirations with Minister
6: Kenneth Jenkins.
8: And good morning. This is your early morning gossip program. More Inspirations. On this Sunday morning it's now time for our morning prayer. Let us go to the ground of praise. Heavenly Father,
6: we come before you as humbly as we can say thank you. Thank you for all your many blessings, Lord. Forgive us Lord, for each sins that we knew that we done in knowing and unknowing me. i want to say thank you for life, thank you for a good night's sleep, thank you, Lord, Lord, for those who got up this morning. Lord, Lord, lift up those, Lord, those pastors and ministers who are going to preach the gospel Lord, thank you. Bless those, Lord, who are in need. Bless those, Lord, who... Mm. We just say thank you, Lord. Why do you mean blessings? Thank you. Lord, we lift up uh, those men and women who are in hospice. up those, Lord, who are homeless, those, Lord, who are drugs, those, Lord, who, lift up those, who don't know which way to go, me so lift up those, Lord, who, see that you feel for grace, that's it, first love. Protect us from what goes with your wings.
8: Thank you. One is coming up next At the bottom of the hour We'll be back at the top of the hour for More gospel especially special music Just for you We'll talk to you And yeah, Good morning Good morning Good morning
9: let's face it. Many of the critics of the church make valid points. All too often we have put the purity of dogma ahead of the integrity of love. All too often Christians have misused faith as a substitute for thought, when faith in fact is what makes good thinking possible. And so it goes without saying that the stumbling
10: block for most sensitive non-believers is not Christ, but Christians. That's the Reverend Dr. Steve Montgomery. I'm Peter Wallace, and this is a new day of faith and hope. This is Day One.
3: Welcome to Day One, the weekly program that brings you outstanding preachers from America's mainline Protestant churches, sharing insight and inspiration from God's Word for your life. In 2015, Day One celebrates 70 years of faithful weekly broadcasts.
10: Now, here's our host, Peter Wallace, to introduce today's preacher. Thanks, Sherry. We're delighted to have back with us today the Rev. Dr. Stephen R. Montgomery, pastor of Idlewild Presbyterian Church in Memphis, Tennessee, where he has served since 2000. Steve is a graduate of the College of Worcester in Worcester, Ohio. He earned his Master of Divinity degree from Yale Divinity School, and a Doctor of Ministry degree from Columbia Theological Seminary. Steve, thanks for being with us again. It's wonderful being back, Peter. We heard last week about some of the ministries your church engages in, one of which is the More Than a Meal program serving homeless persons. Other churches might be interested in launching a similar outreach. So how did that program get started and develop? The incredible
9: thing about this, Peter, is this started when we didn't even have a pastor. It started just a few months before I came there in Mm -hmm. 2000. And some of the members of the church realized that the homeless trends were shifting from downtown to midtown. And rather than just opening up a soup kitchen, taking a look at the text from Scripture, we found that the risen Christ was found at the table on a number of occasions when he broke bread with his disciples then new meaning, new purpose was found. And so what we did is we started out small with a small group of very committed people. We're fortunate to have an excellent kitchen staff who began preparing good, hot meals for people. I think for the first few months there were 35 or 40. Now it turns out that we have about 125 to 150. The upside is that we're feeding a lot of people, both spiritually and physically. The downside is that We want to sit down at table with them and get to know them as people and get to know their names. It's easier to do that when they're 35 or 40 than 125 or 50. Mm -hmm.
10: But I would say start somewhere. Start out small, and then we'll see what the Spirit does. Recently you asked your congregation, do you have your own elevator talk? In other words, what, what could you say to someone in the time it takes to go up a few floors about your church? Tell us more about what that elevator talk might involve and why it's important. I think it's important because uh, there are a lot of people out there in the world
9: that want to be a part of a church, but because of various reasons, they haven't been a part of it. We're trying to find ways to open up a discussion that is not threatening, that is not hellfire and damnation, that doesn't hit people over the head, but rather invites. And so part of that involves listening to where people are and if there's a young person that's new in town, then you have an elevator talk about, you know, we have a young adults group that I think is, what, is something that you're looking for. Or if it's someone who is, likes to sing and misses that, well, we have a choir and a great choir director that we think you love. Any number of opportunities, it begins with listening to where people are
10: hmm.
9: and then coming up with that elevator talk that might engage them and want them to come inside and see
10: How can churches be more intentional about addressing questions that visitors might have, like, will I know God's love here? How is this church different? How can God use me here?
9: First of all, it comes through time. As we know, there are a lot of churches out there that have signs that say, all are welcome here. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, the truth is, all are not welcome there. So it begins internally by taking a look at ourselves and asking ourselves, Do we really want to open the doors to our church? And what would that entail? At Iowa, it means, yes, opening the doors to uh, some of the homeless that come in and some have joined the church and gotten involved. Uh, But it also means, how are we willing to change? What are we willing to let go of in order to open our doors more widely? We have a new vision statement that we actually wrote several years ago, and the catch line at the end has really caught on to everyone, I think. It begins, Isle Wild Presbyterian Church is a community in which, and it ends, and all who enter find a home. Mm -hmm. And so everything we do now is geared towards helping all who enter find
10: a home. Mm -hmm. Your sermon today is based on Acts chapter 4, verses 5 to 12. Would you read the text for us? I'll be glad to. The
9: next day their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. When they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name do you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be
10: saved. Sounds like Peter had a little more than an elevator talk there already. Steve, we look forward to learning more about this in your sermon today, By What Power. Thanks for being with us.
9: It's been my pleasure. And if you'd like to listen again to
10: today's program or read or share a transcript of Steve Montgomery's sermon, visit our website at dayone.org or for a free printed sermon transcript, call us toll-free at 1-888-411-DAY1.
9: Some time ago, there was an article in Time magazine which described how over 100,000 former Christians have downloaded certificates of de-baptism in a bid to publicly renounce the faith. The website, sponsored by the National Secular Society of London, invited visitors to liberate yourself from the original mumbo-jumbo that liberated you from the original sin you never had and allows them to print out a paper certificate that uses quasi-formal language to reject baptisms, creeds, and other such superstitions. Churches have become so reactionary, so politically active, that people actually want to make a protest against them now, the society's president says. They're not just indifferent anymore. They're actively hostile, hostile. He says that every time a preacher or religious leader says something outrageous, like hateful comments about Muslims or calling gays an abomination or blaming the poor for their poverty, they get another rush on the demand for certificates. And, of course, there is a tidy profit to be made. You can get these certificates printed on parchment at only $4.50. That adds up. It seems to be catching on. In Italy, the Union of Rational Atheists and Agnostics sponsored the country's first ever De-Baptism Day, in which the no longer faithful had a De-Baptism ceremony and signed De-Baptism forms. I wonder what a De-Baptism ceremony looks like. I debaptize you in the name of what? I debaptize you in the name of secular humanism? In the name of atheists and agnostics? In the name of the God of the Omnipotent Self, I don't want to make light of this too much. A whole sermon could be preached on the theology of baptism, emphasizing that baptism isn't so much something that we do, but rather it's a response to something that God has already done. It is an acknowledgment that God was already active in our lives even before we were aware of it. And no certificate can take away God's love and grace. No ceremony can diminish the power of water to give life and clean. But let's face it, many of the critics of the church make valid points. All too often we have put the purity of dogma ahead of the integrity of love. All too often we have taken the rich, sparkling wine of the gospel and turned it into the dull, dreary dishwater of everyday culture, reversing the gospel. All too often, Christians have misused faith as a substitute for thought, when faith, in fact, is what makes good thinking possible. And so it goes without saying that the stumbling block for most sensitive nonbelievers is not Christ, but Christians, especially when Christians are so tied to issues of control and power that they don't allow room for the spirit of Christ to liberate lives and even institutions it was Annie Dillard who quipped what a tragedy that so closely on the heels of Christ come the Christians which leads us to our scripture from Acts Peter and John had been heading up to the temple in Jerusalem at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon when they saw a man who had been lame since birth begging by the gate Peter says I have no gold or silver but what I have I give you In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. The man not only stands and walks, but starts leaping around in exultation and delight. One would think that the whole community would start leaping around as well, and they might have, had Peter been able to keep his mouth shut. He starts preaching. I wasn't the one that did this. It wasn't our power at all that caused this healing. It was the power of God and the power of faith in the name of Jesus. Well, he kept on preaching, and then finally he and John were arrested. Then they appear before the big guns of the faith. There are the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees, and they aren't singing hallelujahs because a desperately needy man was healed. They are angry. And the reason for the backlash becomes clear in their question. By what power did you do this? See how adept they were at reframing the issue? The issue was no longer healing, resurrection, and the mercy of God. Now the issue is power. They did not ask, how did this happen, or what is the meaning of this? They asked, where did you get the power to do this? Who authorized you to do and say these things? Here's what I think was happening. You've heard of people with control issues. That's the religious authorities to a T. They wanted people to be faithful and prayerful, but to do so only under the exclusive banner of the temple and its protocols. What we find again and again in these stories of the early church in Acts was a first century pandemic of the Holy Spirit that spread like wildfire. The followers of Jesus could not be contained by normal channels regulated by rules and structures. Luke wrote the book of Acts, and notice how he viewed religious authority and institutional structures. He wasn't anti-institutional. If I had a dime for every time I heard someone say, I am spiritual but not religious, I could retire today. Luke was actually pro-temple, pro-religious institution, right after Pentecost. The gift of the Holy Spirit to the church. He writes that followers of Jesus spent much time together in the temple. Remember where Peter and John were going when they came across the beggar? They were on their way to the temple to pray. And in these early chapters depicting the first century church, we find that the Christian movement already had an organizational structure. They would have Bible study, meals, fellowship and prayer, and evangelism programs and outreach to the poor. It's right there in Acts 2. So the issue in the scripture before us is not anti-institutional in nature. Something else is going on. And I think Tom Long, professor of preaching at Emory University, hits the nail on the head when he asks the question, is the institution responsive to the spirit or is it curved in on itself? Listen to how he puts it. Whenever political, or religious authorities set themselves up as the only legitimate broker of what people need and defend that authority, inevitably the Holy Spirit breaks down those structures. Some of you remember in your own lifetime when Jim Crow laws excluded African Americans from full participation in public life. There was an outbreak of the Spirit which summoned civil rights leaders, mainly from the churches, challenge such structures you see these temple authorities and acts were not interested in the spirit they were interested in temple authority for its own sake by what power do you do these things they wanted to know who told you to do this the message was clear if the disciples wanted to do religious business in Jerusalem then they needed to get a license from the temple power brokers That's the kind of authority that needs to be questioned. By the power of the name of Jesus, answered Peter and John. That power can be threatening, even frightening. Some of us remember how scared we were or our parents were when our political, social, and religious institutions began to change in ways that reflect the spirit of the risen Christ and all of God's children could eat where they wanted and live where they wanted, and vote the way they wanted, and worship where they wanted. At the church I serve in Memphis, a number of people left the church in the early 1960s when the pastor in the session of Idlewild unambiguously claimed that this was God's church, not our church, and any child of God was welcome here, thus affirming what was always true in the hearts of God. But the church had been slow to see. We are all God's children, and the Spirit of God was blowing across the nation and the church in unsettling ways, but ways that reflected the mind of Christ. It can be scary when our institutions are responsive to the Holy Spirit, which wrestles power and control from us. The Sadducees, bless their hearts as we say in the South, just wanted to protect their culture, their way of life, their tradition, their faith, from the threat of corruption of new ideas and new practices. They weren't bad people, let's make that clear. They just insisted on hanging on to the old dogmas that had been handed down through the centuries in order to keep things stable and quiet and peaceful. But Tom Wright reminds us that the resurrection is a radical departure from the status quo. He writes about the Sadducees that If God suddenly does such a drastic thing, they, to put it mildly, cannot guarantee that they will end up in power in the new world that God is going to make. In other words, this text reminds us of the power of the risen Christ to transform, but also the resistance to that change from those with a stake in the status quo. Now for the hard question. What ways is the spirit of the risen Christ moving across our land, our churches today, that are upsetting and unsettling to those in power? Now, this may seem paradoxical, but I would like to suggest that that very spirit is present in our increasingly diverse, multi-faith world. That can be very threatening to many. I've seen full-page ads in newspapers that have used this very text, especially verse 12, where Peter states that there is no salvation outside of Jesus Christ, to promote a rather exclusive view of salvation. I am not saying that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere, or that all religions are the same. Not at all. But Peter found the power to heal, not in a mental exercise or a doctrine or dogma that separates those who believe from those who do not, but in the transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. His distinction in his speech in Acts 4 was between the stifling power agenda of the rulers and the transforming power of God in the name of Jesus. Some of the most treasured relationships I've developed over the past 10 years or so have been with some of my Muslim friends in Memphis. Our church has had a series of intentional dialogues with members of the Islamic Center there. We studied together, ate in each other's homes, and prayed in each other's houses of worship. It has been transformative for me and for all who were involved. They've reminded us that we have more in common in our religious perspectives than differences. I found a fierce faith in the oneness of God that we have, which commends the oneness of all people. They want peace just as much as we want peace. They have spoken out strongly against the more radical, terroristic elements of their own faith. The problem is that the media has paid no attention to those statements. But here's the point. Whereas such relationships can be threatening to those who are trying to protect the country and the faith that they love, ...from the corrupting ideas of the 21st century... ...as well as protecting their power perhaps... ...I have found in my relationships with people of other faiths... ...the expanding, transforming spirit of Jesus. I have found that kind of openness and respect... ...listening, really listening to each other... ...is a way of salvation, healing, wholeness... ...as we work together on behalf of those who are suffering in wars, poverty... And hatred. It is because of the spirit of the risen Christ that we are able to draw wider circles of relationships, of inclusivity, of appreciation, even with those of different faiths. Could it be that the spirit of the risen Christ is warming our hearts, gradually prying our fists open that we might let go of the structures and laws and dogmas within our church that have kept us from being responsive to the Holy Spirit? It can be scary, I know. Peter was so alive with the spirit that he could not refrain himself until he was crucified upside down. As for me, I'll take my cues from Jesus of Nazareth, who crossed every boundary, broke down every barrier, manifesting his freedom and called others to theirs. And I'll take my cues from the risen Christ, whose first words to Mary in the tomb were, Do not be afraid baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit we say at our baptisms. Which means of course that God is never through with us. The God who created us in God's very image and loves us all. The Son who came not to condemn but to bring healing and salvation. And the Holy Spirit which challenges and confronts even long held assumptions so that we might leap and dance at newfound freedom. That is a power that cannot be thwarted, even through a certificate. Let us pray. What a beautiful, wonderful world you have given us, O God. Make us ever mindful of the depth and breadth of your love for us, given in the person of Jesus Christ, who lived for us, died for us, rose for us, and reigns in power today for us.
3: Amen. This is Sherry Miller. Why should you support the Day One Radio Ministry? Because it's helping countless people like you. For instance, Brenda, a listener in Pennsylvania, says, Every Sunday, Day One gives me a message I can carry throughout my week. Mike in Minnesota says, There's not another program like Day One. It allows you to hear the Word of God from so many gifted voices. Please, give generously so Day One can continue to proclaim this much needed message on the radio and online. Mail your gift to Day One, 2715 Peachtree Road, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305. That's 2715 Peachtree Road, Atlanta, Georgia 30305, or call us at 1 888 411 DAY1, or give securely online at day1.org. On behalf of everyone at day1, thank you for your support. Montgomery offers some final reflections on today's message with our host, Peter Wallace.
10: Steve, you told us of a news story about increasing numbers of people who are requesting certificates of de-baptism because of the problems they see in many churches today. You admitted that we do, too often, put the purity of dogma ahead of the integrity of love and turn the rich, sparkling wine of the gospel into the dull, dreary dishwater of everyday life. How you counsel us how can we Present and live out Our faith in more positive ways I think it begins by being Centered in the community You cannot be a christian
9: by yourself, Hmm. and i would say Find a church community a faith Community that you Feel not just Comfortable in because sometimes We need to be Mm discomforted By the spirit Mm -hmm. but find A community in which you feel safe to share your joys, your heresies, your sorrows, a community in which you can join with and rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And then at that point, you begin to understand the depth of God's love for you, and then how can you help but go and
10: share it with others? Mm. In the story in Acts 4, Peter and John get arrested for healing a man and raising a ruckus, and they're dragged before the religious authorities who demand to know by what power they did this. Who authorized them to do and say these things? You said these leaders had control issues. That problem still infects many in the church today, and so what are we getting wrong here? Well, our society and our world
9: is changing at a dizzying pace, and the church is a part of that. And so the first response of many is to have the same response that the Sadducees and the leaders had back then, and that was one of fear. I think the first thing we need to do is realize where our trust lies, and that is in God and in the person of Jesus Christ. We become centered in that. Then once we get that into the very depths of our being, we become free. We become free, maybe not to go out as Peter and John did and with that kind of emotion and passion preach on street corners and get arrested, but still we become free to be ourselves as God created us to be. And I think others will notice if we are authentically Christian, if we are authentically
10: wanting to share what we have with other people who don't have it. The Holy Spirit is at work in the world and the church today, and that can be threatening, even frightening. How might we prepare ourselves better to join in the work of God rather than reacting to what's changing? The answer is pretty simple, Peter, and that is I think
9: it begins in worship. Hmm. I think it needs to go beyond that, of course, because if we just come to worship on Sunday mornings, then we aren't nurtured the way I think we need to do. We need to find communities within communities, especially those of us in larger churches. The secret of uh, growth, both spiritual growth or physical growth, is to find small communities within that larger church in which we can grow in grace. The term grow in grace is one that I've learned from our associate pastor, Gail Walker, uh, who is retiring this weekend. We have moved from just intellectually growing, growing in our mind, but rather trying to discern what it means to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, to become disciples,
10: followers of Jesus Christ. Steve Montgomery, thank you for being with us. Thanks so much, Peter. It's been fun. Day One is the voice of
3: America's mainline Protestant churches. Visit us online at dayone.org. Our program is recorded and edited by Donald Jones and produced by Peter Wallace. Thank you for joining us. I'm Sherry Miller wishing you all God's blessings on Day One and Forever.
4: Churchgoers looking for the little morning inspiration? Listen to Morning Inspirations, the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
1: And, um, that'd be great
8: know who that voice is. Denise Williams. And glory to glory. Everyone's got the program more inspirations. Nation talk tonight at eight PM Eastern time by your talk to Jam Radio. Hope to see you in church somewhere. Uh, we have a back Sunday. Be interesting to see how, how that's gonna be that you have something at your church at your church this morning and bless you real good
11: Kenneth Jenkins, listen to the words of Jesus recorded in Matthew chapter 17 verse 20 for assuredly I say to you if you have faith as a mustard seed you will say to this mountain move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus told those who knew him best that in the kingdom of God, something small could make big changes. He encouraged his followers not to be discouraged because of their circumstances, but to continue to trust God in spite of their circumstances. When we face a challenge to our faith and our values, we're to be like Shammah, one of David's mighty men. He squared his jaw and loudly declared to the marauding Philistines, I am Shammah which means God is with me. When the Philistines heard his bold declaration, they turned and ran for the hills. God is able to make us triumph over every situation and circumstance. In fact, the Bible says we should rejoice in the midst of opposition because that's when the glory of God will be revealed in us as well as to us. Rejoice today that Jesus is praying for you that your faith will not fail.
10: What's in a dream? Consider Elias Howe, the sewing machine pioneer. In his original model, the needle had an eye in the middle, and it didn't work. One night, Howe dreamed that he was under attack. Painted warriors through spears with holes in the sharp end. Howe later patented a new design based on the dream spears and earned more than $2 million in royalties. A New York Times report credits sleep for improving our performance, creativity, learning, and memory. It also tunes up our problem solving. This is Howard Budd, Jr. of Laity Lodge, urging you to let your sleep do its work. The necessary rest that recharges our batteries and our health can also awaken our creativity in the high calling of our daily work.
3: For more information, visit our ourdailywork.org. This entire piece of music is played with only two instruments, a right hand and a left hand. Hands can do incredible things but nothing compares to using them to help save a life with hands-only CPR. If an adult suddenly collapses, call 911, then push hard and fast in the center of their chest until help arrives. Hands-only CPR is recommended by the American Heart Association, and it's incredibly easy and effective. Find out more about this latest method of CPR at handsonlycpr.org. The power to help save a life is in your hands. A message from the American Heart Association and the Ad Council.
0: This is Anne Graham Lotz with Daily Light for Daily Living. How extravagant are your gifts to God? You give him as little as you can get by with. Shortly before his crucifixion, Jesus was the honored guest at a dinner. While he was reclining at the table, Mary brought an alabaster box with very expensive perfume. It would have been her dowry. But she took the perfume that represented her hopes and dreams for a good life and poured it on the feet of Jesus. John 12:3 says, The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. When Mary was criticized for being wasteful, Jesus praised her beautiful act of sacrificial worship. What sacrifice will you make for no other reason than you love Jesus? Who will be blessed by the fragrance of that worship? Listen to me. Be extravagant when you give to God. Remember, a sacrifice is not a sacrifice until it's a sacrifice. This is Anne Graham Lott. You're
6: listening to the Jam Radio Network. <laughs>
8: Sound good, Donald Jackson. Gone. Look what the Lord has done. Oh, my goodness. This is the early morning gospel program, Morning Inspirations here on Talk to Jam Radio. We'll be back in a moment. So,
7: I've got it for you.
4: Hi, I'm Johnny Erickson Tata. We all admit there are people who can When anger takes control, it only leads to evil. Instead, turn your anger Godward. Those people getting on your nerves need to see Jesus through your humble response.
8: Of color, featuring Brian Duncan. Carlisle and Brian Duncan, i um w- going to be ready. I hope that you'll be ready for church this morning. I know we are, and hopefully you'll get there on time. Thank you for listening Tune in to Morning Inspirations with New Jersey Mass Choir.
1: like love that's finally found me In my
2: you
12: join with me, please, in prayer. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Jesus, thank you that you love me enough. give me. And tonight I open my heart and I invite you into my life to be my Savior and my Lord. I believe, Jesus, you are the Son of God. I believe you died for me to pay the price for all the wrong things that I've committed against God. And against man. I believe that on the third day, by the power of God, you were raised from the dead as living proof that my trust in you tonight is not in vain. I believe that as Christ was raised from the dead, so tonight, Almighty God, you are raising me from the dead. From the death of sin. you are giving me a new life, the life of Jesus Christ. Oh God, on my testimony and the belief in my heart, and according to your word, at this moment, I believe I am saved. I am saved. I
13: Oh, let me ask you, friends, in closing tonight, have you done this? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you come to that obedience of faith? Have you come to that place of true repentance and true faith? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Are you trusting alone tonight in Jesus Christ for your salvation? For there is no other way, there is no other message.
14: For there is no other way, there is no other, way. Is no other
1: message.
13: Oh, come to Him, come to the Saviour tonight. Come to Him just as you are. Come to Him in your sin, come to Him in all your needs. And cast yourself upon His mercy and upon His infinite grace. Cast yourself yourself upon His mercy and and upon His his infinite infinite and Cast yourself wholly to Him. And you too will enter into that joy of sin forgiven, peace with God, and eternal, abundant life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How
7: can I say? For the things
1: you've done for me, things so undeserved, yet you gave to
6: prove your love to me.
1: we
8: For your tuning until tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern Time for Nation Talk. Come to see you in church. Please go to a church near you. Thank you for listening. We'll see you tonight. God bless you. Have a wonderful, blessed Sunday morning.